Welcome to episode 46 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on August 27th, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm editor at GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How you living, Corey? Hello, Brad. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am doing excellent because I am happy to announce that for the first time in So Video Games history, we have a guest. Can you believe it? We have a guest, Corey. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes, our usual two-man show is now going to host a third voice. Fully 30% more show than we have ever delivered before. And I am so excited because it's none other than friend of the show and someone who I've recorded many, 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 many episodes with, my main man, Carlos Rodella. How you been, Carlos? What's up? Hey, excellent. Hello, Carlos. Hey, Carlos. Carlos, real quick, a couple of questions for you. What's your favorite kind of pizza? Uh, pepperoni and or Sicilian deep dish. What is Sicilian deep dish? Oh, we have to talk. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's good. Okay, fine. Uh, what's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Whiskey. What's your shoes like? Drink or just whiskey? Oh, an old like fashioned, and I old fashioned. Yeah, I pretty much have them all the time. Shoe okay. size. What's your shoe size, Carlos? The people want to know. No one wants to know that. Who cares about what? These are the questions. What did I get? Everybody wants to, to know. <laughs> I think I'm an eleven. Eleven. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you prefer mayo or ketchup? This was not in the script, by the way. <laughs> All right, this is off the cuff, and I don't like this or approve. Uh, I like both of those things. You're just you're just messing with me right now. Bear with us. Bear with us. Coffee okay. or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Or tea? Coffee. Uh, what's your favorite movie? That is an impossible question. Name a few of your favorite movies. Well, right now, as I was saying, and I won't go on a tirade, I'm in a, an emotional mess right now because of Twin Peaks. So I'll put Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me up there. Um, <laughs> I like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a lot. A lot of people don't like that, but I really like that movie because I love the book. Um, that, that's okay. Nobody cares. Next question. Wow. If aliens, <laughs> if aliens came down, Carlos, aliens came down from the sky and they made you, forced you to choose between rice, wheat, or corn, that thing would be wiped off the face of the Earth. Which one would you pick to be removed, extincted from planet Earth, and why? Okay, I'm going to say wheat just because it's, I shouldn't have it. And <laughs> I know it's bad for me, and I eat too much of it, so I'm going to say wheat. But I re- lament saying that. Oh, that was you came to that answer pretty quickly. I'm very impressed. Okay, yeah. that totally none of that stuff was in the script. We thought it'd be fun to pepper you with questions. I'm peppered as a way of you are fully peppered. <laughs> you can salt of, me later. This was your your formal hazing to get onto the show. So now you're through it. It's <laughs> all good. You're fine. You survived. Awesome. And also, that's way more than we ever wanted to know about you. Good. Uh, <laughs> I won't give out more information than that. That we're not going to ask you for any more information. We are we're set. So. Dear listeners, on today's show, we've got a ton to talk about as usual, uh, but people know that we usually get the ball rolling with our traditional few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game-related. However, instead of the usual banter, we're going to take this time to get to know our guest a little better. Uh, nothing as personal as what we just asked him, 
But we are going to introduce you to folks who might not know who you are and why they should care. Carlos, tell us a little bit about yourself and why people should care. Oh, I don't like the why should people care because I'm like, if you want to check it out, that's cool. But <laughs> well, um, at the very least, tell us about yourself. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I've been doing a bunch of stuff with the internet and videos and podcasting. Um, I've started with Ziff Davis and this little company called Mevio. Done tons of shows uh, on the web. Web shows, they like to call them. Press Pause, Cranky Geeks, DLTV. And I worked at IDG and did videos for them. Macro PC World and done GameSpot. Um, worked with actually game developers recently. So I've actually went to work for Big Fish, which is a, a game a company that makes a bunch of casual games as well as these really cool mobile text adventures. And then had a short stint over at Microsoft, and so kind of jumped on the side of the video game developer publisher side recently. Um, but yeah, I've just kind of jumped around the whole internet with, as many of you who follow me know, just kind of everything. Um, I've done podcasts, interviews, you know, documentaries, and I just love doing a lot of different things. So, Would it be fair, Carlos, to say that most people might know you um, from Video Game Break? Do you think that'd be fair to say? <laughs> I didn't even mention that. Oh, and Brad was on that show. <laughs> that was the show uh, yeah, that we no, were Video on Break a lot well. of episodes. Yeah. You no. think so? Yeah. Video Game Break, I think, recently. You know, it's, it's funny because it's all about what you've done recently. Um, you know, I, back in the day, I would go to a grocery store or something, and people would actually say, like, hey, it's that guy Carlos from uh, Cranky Geeks or DLTV. I mean, they wouldn't say it that way, but they'd be like, hey, I think I know that guy. But, uh, uh, and, and then, you know, you don't do that for a while, and you're not the producer of the show that people are watching at the time, and then, then no one knows what you do. Um, and then for a while there, yeah, we did video game break and I loved doing it. It was two years that were really awesome of a, a video game podcast and you were part of that. Um, so yeah, people know me from that. That was a great show. I do miss video game break and you and I did many episodes and actually fun fact for so video game listeners who may not know, this is not the first time that we three have recorded together because... Corey was also a fan of Video Game Break, and when he came to Seattle one fine day, he guested on that show with you and me, so there is actually one other recording somewhere on the internet of us three guys talking about stuff. Isn't that true, Corey? That is true. I flew out from, I was living in Omaha at the time, I flew to Seattle with the sole purpose of being on the Video Game Break podcast. I had no other plans while I was there. I went in. I recorded with you guys because you were kind enough to have me on. We talked about uh, Inside from Play Dead. We talked about Resident Evil 5. We talked about Silent Hill. We talked about um, a Far Cry and about game streaming and Twitch and a bunch of stuff. And that actually, like, not to like sour this show, but that might be out of this show, that recording, and the Game Critics shows that I've been on. That was probably my favorite podcast that I've ever recorded. Oh, my goodness, Corey. That's so nice of you. I mean, I had such a good time, and I don't think I really um, said it when you were on the show, but I really appreciate that. I mean, it's incredible for you, for anybody to listen to anything that any of us do, you know, and to <laughs> like it uh, that much is really super cool. And I recall that was a fun conversation. Indeed. I had a good time. And it was also great because... Um, we were all sitting in the same room together talking. Unlike tonight, when we were all in... Well, I guess you guys are kind of close, because you're both in Seattle, but I'm all the way in New Orleans right now, so we are talking over the internet right now, which is slightly less organic, but I think we're going to make it work. 
Yeah. We'll we power through. We'll power through. Because, you know, actually, yeah, Carlos and I used to record in the same room, and we are not in the same room. I think this is the first time Carlos and I have ever recorded where we were not in the same room. It is, and it feels weird. Like, <laughs> it, does, it feels it does real feel weird. It kind of weird. Yeah. Well, we are going to savor that weird feeling. And uh, now that you are our first guest, and now that we have introduced you to the listeners, and now that we've bullshitted for a little while... I think it's time for some games chat. I think that's what we're all here for. I think that's what the listeners are here for. Do you agree, gentlemen? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, excellent. We're going to launch right into it. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, lots of games on the docket. Carlos, since you are the guest tonight, we're going to let you go first. You brought quite a bit in your basket. Um, we're going to hit these one by one. Uh, you know, we don't have to super deep dive if you don't want to. And also, um, just as a heads up, uh, one of the games that you were going to be... Actually, two of the games you're going to be talking about tonight, Observer and Lost Legacy, uh, those have... We, we want to caution you, don't spoil anything. Uh, I plan on playing Lost Legacy. Corey's going to play it. I've played a little bit of Observer. Corey hasn't touched it yet. So we both are still in that, that lovely space where we don't know a lot and we don't want to know. So just as a heads up, don't spoil anything for those two games. I think we're okay to talk about the rest of the stuff on the docket. So with no further ado, let's just get into it. Carlos... Um, I talked about No Man's Sky on the last episode. Uh, did you catch that episode by any chance? I'm assuming no. No, I didn't see, not the last one, but I have heard uh, a few of uh, the recent ones, but I didn't hear that one. Well, that was a really good episode. You missed out, my friend. You really missed out on that one. Go, I'm, go, I'm going to download it. Well, fire it up now. Fire it up now. We'll wait. <laughs> okay, I need you to have a contact. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay. But then you guys talk for like two hours. Come on. Well, okay. Pretend like it was a really good and enriching episode. Pretend like you know exactly how I felt about No Man's Sky, and then Got just it. file it away, because right now we're talking about what you think of No Man's Sky. They just had a big update. I don't remember the update number, but it's like 1.3 something something. A whole bunch of new content added, uh, story, new vehicles, etc., etc., etc. I talked about it last time. Carlos, what do you think of the new No Man's Sky update? I have many thoughts. I'll condense them. Uh, it's called Atlas Rising. Um, I believe the newest update right now, because they are throwing in, like, peppering in, to bring that back, uh, more updates even. And I think the last one was 1.34. Um, yeah, it's it's adding a storyline. It's adding uh, different things for the biomes and graphics and uh, the worlds and the way that the algorithm works. But most importantly to me is that storyline. Um, when I first played it, as many of you might know, uh, I've talked about it on pretty much every show, I love that game for what it is. I love that game for the weirdness and the the, the reach that they try to do with that game and the algorithm and the, the idea they made a whole universe. Um, I loved it, and I loved going to these different places I'd never seen and walking around them, and that was fine enough for me. But I could have used a story, like a lot of us could, and so I think that Atlas Rising is that. It's it's also a really good tutorial. It, it basically sets you up with, without a spoiler, uh, someone you need to contact uh, which, by the way, was crazy because uh, no, never have I talked to anybody in that game. You know, you're just, like, by yourself. And finally you have, like, a communications thing. And I'm like, what? Someone's calling? That, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, so once that happens, it kind of directs you to do a bunch of things in the game, including do, uh, doing things like making a base, which is, like, not a spoiler. It's, like, one of the things that they were going to add to the game. Um, but they do it in a really smart way with a tutorial because it's part of the story. So I am very happy about that part of it. Excellent, excellent. Now, I, I fired it up for the very first time uh, when that, that update dropped. I mean, you don't know what I said about it, but let me tell you, I said all sorts of, uh, well, Bad let's just things. say I wasn't, 
Let's just say I wasn't a fan. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't really, it, it wasn't enough for me. Do you notice that it's um, very different from what it was before? Like, in, at least in the beginning, did you start a new game or, or did you just jump back into where you were or, or what did you do? Oh, it's interesting because I actually heard this when somebody else on another podcast, but it is true that when you first jump back in, and and you know what it was before if you played it before you're not impressed you go oh yeah i get it they want me to go get some credits or something or, i go to this planet yeah i've done that and then you see all the trappings that you did and you're kind of bored with that's how i felt but then you keep going and i highly recommend you slash everyone if you have even an inkling of interest keep going because a couple things happen with the storyline and a couple uh, kind of gameplay elements open up that I didn't know about, and it makes you want to be in that world more. And also, at the end of the day, which we could definitely go on a tangent about, or I could, this world is kind of messed up right now, and it's pretty cool to just escape. So, not for nothing, but being able to go to another planet and just hang out and see some different stuff is pretty nice. So, just for that, it's cool, but I really do think that once you get past this kind of like certain section of the storyline it jumps up a notch and i think there is some differences that make it worth you know getting well it's interesting you say that because as someone who had never played it before coming to it for the first time i also wasn't impressed so <laughs> i uh yeah no did not, there's no uh, impressing you brad come on did not Nothing's not changed. this game not this game Corey. i know we talked about it a little bit but did you, by any chance did you fire it back up since last episode I did not. Whoops. <laughs> Sad trombone. Okay. Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to move us right along to Near Automata, which is a game wait, that we wait, talked can I about. Can back up for a minute? Oh. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I want to I want to give you one con for that game, so we can like feel like we're together on something here. Okay, yeah, I, I'm always up for the cons. I know, I know. Believe me, we did a podcast. Yeah, those are the cons. Um, so Atlas Path. There's a thing in that game where you go through this huge atlas path thing. It takes forever. You go into different black holes, into things, whatever. It's a long thing. It took me probably like 30, 40 hours. I don't know, something insane. Oh, they, re- they reset it on you. Because so you got to do it again? You have to. Do, well, if you want, I'm not going to. But, like, I think what they did is they just assumed not enough people did it. And I was like the weirdo who's, like, hungry for an adventure. So I was like, I'm going to make this thing that's not even an adventure an adventure and did the 40-hour thing, got to the end of it. By the way, there is an ending to an original storyline in No Man's Sky, and I got to it. And then I go open up the 1.34 update. That's gone. They reset it. Oh, man. So they wiped all that effort you put into it? Like, yeah, as if you had never done it? That's real dumb. Yeah. So there we go. We can both be angry at it for a minute. Ooh, ouch. That sounds really, really unfortunate. It's bad. But, I mean, I would be curious to hear how many people had actually done that, though. Probably very small Yeah, I think eight. Eight percent? That sounds and seven other people. Oh, literally eight? Oh, just not eight percent. Like eight people. Yeah. I think not many people. Yeah, they're probably like, you know what? Carlos is probably the only guy who did it, so let's just reset it. Yeah, because who cares? You know, it's just that one guy. He's not going to do nothing. What's he going to do? Get on Reddit? So what? Who cares? (laughs) Carlos goes on Reddit later tonight. (laughs) <laughs> and he rages, let me tell you. All right. Enough of No Man's Sky. We're going to get to Near Automata. This is another one that you wanted to talk about. Um, real quick, is this, this is your first time with the game? Or, no, we talked about this before, didn't we? We did, but I don't think I ever like, had a time to fully go into it, you know? Okay. So just real quick to give a little bit of context before we let you loose on this. 
Corey and I have talked about this. We have both played this game. We, neither one of us are fans. Is that fair to say, Corey? That is very fair to say. I really, really didn't like it. And in fact, people wrote me hate mail for months afterwards because my review was one of the most negative reviews on Metacritic. Ooh. Corey, you want to go a little more in depth on your feelings? Uh, well, I gave the game even more of a fair shake than you did because the the go-to response whenever people say they don't like this game is like, oh, well, you have to play the second playthrough. You have to play the third playthrough. You have to play the fourth, fifth, sixth, however many fucking playthroughs there are of the stupid <laughs> game. And I played all of playthrough one. I played all of playthrough two. And I got most of the way through playthrough three. And there was a segment in the third play that basically had so many awful gameplay mechanics compounding on each other that I could not finish the segment I was in and I gave up and I think that that game is awful and it's one of those games where like if people and this is a very rare case for me because I'm definitely in the like for the most part in the boat of like the oh I just like to let people enjoy things but this is one of those games where if somebody's like, wow, this is one of my favorite games I've ever played, I immediately like can't trust any of their uh, preferences <laughs> for games like ever nice. again. So, uh, Carlos, are you going to turn around and tell me that this is one of your favorite games of all time now? I know, oh, and then you shit. won't trust me. No, no, I'm actually going <laughs> to piggyback off what you said and agree with you because um, I'll, I'll go into the pros later, but to, to piggyback off your con is that I did finish the first playthrough, you know, because there's a four i think um and the second one i started i was like okay i'm gonna give it a shot you know i get what they're trying to do here with, with the, no spoilers here but just a difference in perspective and whatever so i'm doing it and i get to these gold enemies and they like take a million hits and then i throw my controller down and say <laughs> no thanks i won't go through this game again because i'm not going to spend an hour fighting this one guy they made the enemies way too hard like, what difficulty I'm, were you playing on? Were you on normal? the normal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it's, easy, but it was normal. You know, I feel like there was, like, ultra and freaking ultra after that. But, I mean, it really was stupid because if you want me to go through and get this, you know, embedded story that you're doing, then make it a much easier task. Um, not to mention when I first started the second playthrough, I fell to my death, like, four times because I didn't know where to go. Freaking <laughs> uh, <laughs> game. <laughs> But, yeah, I think I don't like that game at the end of the day, but I do like what it was trying to do, and it's trying to say a bunch of cool things about humanity and robots and androids, uh, things we might have to deal with soon. Who knows? Um, but, man, I, I came away with not liking it because of that second playthrough. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I was actually just talking to some people about this on Twitter earlier today. I don't know... If this was in the game earlier, I suspect that it was not, but I think they have patched in a new uh, ability where you can change the difficulty on the fly. So, like, if it's if normal is good for you in general, but then the bosses are too hard, you can you can bump it down to easy, get past the bosses, put it back up to normal. If normal's boring, you can put it up to hard, and then if that's mm. too hard, you can bump it back down. I I'm pretty sure that was not in the vanilla game when it first released, but it's there now for sure. So maybe that will be of some benefit to you or to some listeners. Also, another piece of advice I would give. Um, if if I had known when I had first played this game, I would have put it on easy and I would have skipped as much battle as possible because I don't know about you guys, but I don't think the combat in this game is very good. I know that um, Platinum is kind of known for their combat, but I don't think this is any anything that really represents the best of what they've done. So I think for people who are really interested in the story... 
if you put it on easy and just blow through the battles, you can finish that game in like a quarter of the time it would take you if you had it on normal and actually like participated in all the battles. When mm. I when I finished it, or I mean when I when I wrote my review, I had put in about 20 25 hours and I was done. Like I thought that was just more than I wanted. And I was talking to people who had finished the entire game like all four playthroughs like in less than 20 hours. So you can really shave a lot of time off if you put it on easy and just blow through things and just get to the story bits. That works for a lot of people. I wish I had known about it. That's what I would have done. Mm. That would be my recommendation. So I'm not coming back to it, though. Corey, you're not ever coming back to it, are you? Uh, No, I'm not. But that's totally what I did whenever I played it. Like, I started on normal, and after about a half an hour with it, I bumped the difficulty down to easy. And right at the very end of the first playthrough... Because you have, like, the system chips you can install in the main character, and there's, like, a system chip that lets her um, use her projectile weapon and auto-fire without you having to hold the trigger button to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, you can bet your ass that whenever I got to a hard part in that game, I equipped as many, like, auto-fire chips as I possibly could, and, like, the auto-blocking and the auto-evade chip, and I made that game as easy as I possibly could for myself. And I still couldn't finish the third playthrough because of that one gameplay segment that was so badly designed that it, I just couldn't get through it. It was so awful. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like it. I thought there was a kind of innovative way to upgrade your character with that putting plugging chips in. And I thought it was pretty interesting and smart. Um, but then it, it doesn't matter if the gameplay part is broken or like the, the actual level design. Uh, or the enemies, the way that they place the enemies, like really hard enemies before this like simple story section. So, yeah, I think it was unbalanced at times or something, even with that easy mode. Well, I, I agree with all of that. I, I I get that a lot of people love this game, and I think that's great because I am a fan of the creator, Yoko Taro. He's a great guy, very talented. I've been in his corner for a long time. I was a real champion of the original Nier, but... This one really bounced off me. It sounds like it bounced off of you guys, too. Corliss, are you going to go back and finish, or do you think you're done with it? I mean, it depends on what that patch does. Um, because, again, if it's just easy to play or, like, to fire a bunch of weapons at once, that's not going to fix my problem. I had enemies that were too tough. And even if you can, you know, I was doing all the right button presses to, to take them out, but they just had hit points forever. So probably not. You know, probably not. All right, probably not. Let's move on to Observer. Um, so just to frame things properly, Corey has not played Observer, but I know he is really hot to get his grubby little mitts on this one. <laughs> um, I'm sure we will be talking about this in, in greater detail in the future. I played maybe an hour of Observer, and I really, really did not like it. Um, wow, I talked about it briefly on the last three episode. Three. Yeah, man, we're hitting all the all the hits right off the bat. We're starting <laughs> off on the good foot here, as we as we like to do. Um, so I only played about an hour, and I, I bailed. But I'm very curious, Carlos. Um, this game is about Rutger Hauer being a detective in futuristic Poland. He's kind of like a Blade Runner of sorts, a detective, jacks into people's memories, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What? First of all, how much of Observer have you seen? What do you make of it? What's your thoughts? Do tell. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't really expect it or, or plan on getting it. Um, it just looked interesting, and there's kind of a lull at times here for games in the summertime. So I was itching to play something. That's the reason why I went back to Nier, because I was just wanted to do something. Um, and, yeah, I liked the vibe of it and the idea of big, big brother-style world and Blade Runner. That's already, I'm in. 
you know, I'm in from the from the get-go with that. So I like that. Um, it's a small game. You can tell it's a small game in the fact that it's not an open-world game, which is kind of what my mind was hoping for, an open-world Blade, uh, Blade Runner kind of thing. But it's more about, like, going to sections and, you know, closed-off little sections and, and accomplishing things like in a game world would do. Um, but you're a detective, so you're investigating stuff, and that kind of makes it interesting. And without it spoiling much, it sounds like um, uh, Brad won't go back to it, but not to spoil it for Corey. There's definitely a section that's kind of dreamlike, and, and it's a little uh, weird. And it reminded me of Lynch and the fact that I'm watching a lot of David Lynch right now with Twin Peaks, uh, The Return, which I highly recommend. Uh, and it just felt like that at times, too. Um, it felt like anything kind of could happen, and I won't spoil anything other than that, but it has another quality to it, I think, than just the detective you know, a story going for it. So I like that, uh, but then again, I'm only in the first section, too. I think I maybe only played two hours, um, but I'm kind of in. I'm not, like, wowed, blown away, but I really like the world, and I think it does some graphical things that I've actually never seen before and i can't say what they are because it's a spoiler but they they and i don't think you've seen it brad yet maybe you have but there's something they do without saying anything that's really cool <laughs> with the graphics and uh i haven't seen that done before in a game interesting yeah you know i got um further than the first like dreams you know the dream sequence or whatever you want to call it yeah and that was the point that really kind of turned me off of the game I think I would have preferred it if it had stayed in the real world or just had been more like more of a straight detective story. I think that would have been okay. Um, mm. But it's funny you mentioned <clears throat> Twin Peaks and Lynch because I do really like Twin Peaks a lot. And I, I would in general say that I'm a David Lynch fan. But I don't think I like to play that. Like watching it is one mm. thing, but actually playing it to me is something else. I like I don't like to be lost or to have weird, unexplained things happen or just... You know, that that kind of thing that some horror games do where they kind of try to keep you guessing and keep yeah. you on your toes and keep you confused. Not really a big fan of that. Corey, I know that you like these kind of things, don't you? Like the whole, um, I don't know, like the mystical kind of weird things happening. Like you're, you're more down for that. Are you a fan of David Lynch? And if so, do you, do you like that in your games, Lynch games? Uh, well, I actually have never really come in contact with anything David Lynch related. Like I've never watched Twin Peaks and I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies. Um, I get the general aesthetic of some of the stuff that he does because so many people talk about it. Um, but, uh, like whenever we played, um, that one game, Virginia last year, everybody was like, oh, this is so Twin Peaksy," And so like, I kind of like get the idea, but, um. I mean, I like the kind of stuff that these games are going for because I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who, like, knew Observer had been coming for, like, a year and was, like, actively excited about it. And now I'm, like, the only person on the planet who hasn't played it um, <laughs> because I really... I liked uh, their last game and their first game. The guys that uh, made this game uh, was Layers of Fear, and I absolutely adored Layers of Fear. And I oh, thought, okay, I, I cool. I wanted um, to play that a lot. I forgot about that game. Yeah, I um like Layers of Fear. I think it's pretty hit or miss depending on like what kind of horror you like, but I really enjoyed it and I thought, okay, awesome Observer is going to be like Layers of Fear but in like a technologically advanced like cyberpunk universe. And so I'm generally pretty down for something like that, but um unfortunately, I'm not in the position to be like spending a bunch of money on games right now, so I'm going to have to wait a little while to play it for it to go on sale or something like that. Um 
but I'm very, very much looking forward to this, and I think it's going to be like right up my alley. I just need to play it. I would, I would say that it's going to be up your alley because I've seen enough of Layers of Fear. I haven't played it yet, but I, you reminded me. I'm going to go back and play it. Um, if you like that mixed with a cyberpunky, you know, Blade Runner kind of story, detective story, you're going to like it. I think it really does do that kind of what maybe Brad doesn't like either is this kind of I don't know what's happening, you know, <laughs> kind of feel. Yeah, totally, totally. And, uh, um, and I get, yeah, not, that's not for everybody, but. Well, it's interesting, you know, that feeling, I mean, maybe this is like more of a meta conversation or something, but like when I come to video games, I don't know about you guys, and, and please feel free to chip in, um, you know, when I come to video games, I, it's usually like a stress reliever for me. Like, I usually do it to, like, unwind for my day or if I need just to, you know, gather my thoughts. I want to just chill for a bit. And so when I play a game, I like to be able to... It's not about power fantasy, but it's about knowing what's going on, about maybe having a sense of control. Like, you know, what happens in a game is something that I do because I'm the person controlling it. And, you know, like, you, you kind of... You learn the rules and you play the game by the rules. And if you know how to play, you know, follow the rules and you succeed and things happen and you get treated to some good story sometimes or some some interesting action but it's generally about like for me just knowing what's going on and feeling like things are stable and you know predictable and not like i need to know every twist of a story but like you know what you're doing you know what the story is going to happen like you you know what a game is like and so for me that's like a good escape from just like just the shit going on in the real world you know so when i play a game where i don't know what's going on or like things are really weird or things just keep throwing me off balance like that's not like a a sensation that i really like enjoy like from a game like maybe from a movie is okay because like i see games and movies as being very different things in my brain and they hit me in different ways but like when i'm in a game like exactly exactly active participant so i mean carlos what about you man like you seem like you're okay with that like do you i know you're somebody who likes to escape the real world and get really submerged but uh you feel okay with these weird kind of off off putting unsettling kind of things happening in games yeah, it's just it's just it's where your head's at, you know. I 100% agree, and I'm going on every single show that I guest on and saying that we need more light in the world right now. Um, it's the darkness is creeping in on all corners, and it's absolute crap. Um, by the way, can I swear? I forgot. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Oh, it's yeah, sure. Absolute bullshit. Um, and so <laughs> I'm definitely going for <clears throat> games that can bring that light and energy. But at the same time, it's just if your head's okay and you're in a a good place then you know i definitely love yeah the the weirder stuff and the the more interestingly dark stories uh but then sometimes i just want to run around skyrim and you know just i don't know have a house and harvest some crops and do like a harvest moon <laughs> game and do nothing um or or gen and no man's sky like go to a planet that i've never been to and just mine some you know minerals um and so i think it's just you know i want all the different experiences uh, I want all of the all of the things, and um, so sometimes it's okay, you know. And I was in an okay place to go to observer for a while. So let me ask you, Corey. So what I said about like you know games being kind of like an orderly thing or an escape from reality, did any of that resonate with you? Because you play a lot more horror games than I do, and you seem way more okay with the weird, bizarre, unsettling stuff. And what? Like, in that sense, like, what are you getting out of it? Same thing that I'm getting in a different way? Are you getting something different? Like, I mean, I think this is an area where you and I probably diverge. Well, it just depends on what you, like, knowing what you're getting into versus not knowing what you're getting into. Because, like, I would go into Layers of Fear or go into Observer or go into, you know, like, PT or Resident Evil 7 or what have you, um, you know, expecting this kind of experience, expecting to 
you know, go in to be creeped out, to be more of like a slow paced horror, to not be some kind of like, you know, like dead space type horror where it's just like you killing a bunch of stuff. Cause that's not really the kind of horror that I'm into. Um, I prefer like a more of, you know, like layers of fear, um, you know, silent Hill esque uh, thing where it's a little more slow moving. It's a little more thoughtful. It's a little more atmospheric, but, um, uh, so like I'm you know ready for that kind of experience because I enjoy playing games just like you guys do as you know a sort of like form of escapism you know just to like have fun and do whatever but I also don't think that video games have to be fun in order to enjoy them I think that they can challenge you on different levels and not just like you know like literal like difficulty levels I mean I like um, like Layers of Fear, for example, because it challenges me on my perception of what's going on around me. Um, it challenges me in a fearful way. Like, you know, I mean, you walk, I've said this, I think every time I talk about this game, I say this, but like, if you play Layers of Fear, one of my favorite things it does is like, you'll walk down a hallway, um, you know, maybe the door at the end of the hallway is locked, and then you turn around and suddenly the hallway you walk down is completely different. And I really enjoy the sort of like spatial awareness tricks that that game pulls. Um, which is interesting because the game that I'm going to talk about later does the same stuff, but it does it in a really awful way that I don't appreciate. Um, but we'll get to that later. So there's like a fine line in my head on like how to keep this sort of spatial, um, spatial awareness and spatial trickery like contained enough to make it interesting and scary and where it can just like go completely off the rails and be terrible. Um, and we'll get to that part later. But um, I, I just, I, I go into these experiences knowing what, what I think they're going to be, you know, being ready to be scared. Because when I play a scary video game, like, you know, I wait till the sun goes down, I turn the lights off in the living room, I put my headphones on and turn them up, and I, like, dive in. Like, I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, half-asses a horror game. Um, I, like, go all in for it. So, I mean, I'm definitely prepared for that kind of experience. But I can understand if you put in a game like Observer and you're not exactly sure what it's going to be, and maybe you have one idea of what it is, and it ends up not being what you think it's going to be, that you could uh, come out of it not enjoying it. But, I mean, like I said, I've been following this game for a while, so I definitely knew what I was going to be getting into. And, unfortunately, I haven't gotten into it yet, but I will definitely change that before the end of the year rolls around. Yeah, and I think it's also about expectations, like you said. You know, it's about what you're expecting when you're going into the game. And, you know, you just said it perfectly. You're, you know, drawing the curtains. You're ready for this kind of a thing, just like you would be ready for a horror movie. You know, like, okay, tonight we're watching The Shining, and this is what we're doing. This is how we want to feel. We want to feel creeped out, whatever. And also I think another important thing is that, you know, games like movies and any other art form, uh, is they're really important about how the topics they bring up. And so sometimes I play games just because I want to see what the developers are trying to say. You know, Gone Home is a perfect example where it's just a story and it's talking about a particular, you know, emotions that a young girl goes through and, and different, uh, like, um, perspectives, you know. And so not all the times do I play a game for, like, I just want to escape and, and do this, uh, win this level or, you know, beat this game. But I do it for a perspective. A great one is uh, Senua in uh, Hellblade. Um, have you guys played that yet? Have not no. played it yet, and we have not yeah, talked I won't about go into it. So too don't much. spoil anything. Yeah, I won't spoil it, and won't go too much. But I'll just say, just to my point, is that it's about um, uh, a woman who goes through, you know, some emotional stuff, and you know, you really get to be there with her through all of it. And I come out the side of the other side of that game with a different perspective of people dealing with stuff like that, you know, with some mental instability, and you know, so that's why I think it's super important, not just for the game part of it. But I'm also with you, Brad. I just want to sometimes just, you know, do some fun stuff. 
Well, just to be clear, I think you guys both bring up really excellent points, and I find myself, like, totally agreeing with you all. And, I mean, just to clarify my own position, like, I, I'm totally down with, like, exploring different feelings, exploring different topics, or, like, you know, playing a game because the creators might have something to say. Like, I'm down with all that stuff. I enjoy that. I think in this particular case, the thing that I just don't like is that um, that that very specific sense of I just went through this hallway and now that hallway is not what it was when I went through. The developers have all the power. I don't. They're playing tricks on me. And maybe I understand the rules. Maybe I don't. Maybe there are no rules. And to be kind of like foundering around in that kind of situation is not something that I like. So I don't like that one specific sense, which is something that Observer delivers. Uh, so I'm not really up for that. But in other ways, like I don't need to be, you know, the king of every story. I don't need to conquer any worlds or anything. I'm, I'm very happy to play other games. But just to be, just to be clear on that. So totally and uh, i know that I, I know yeah oh yeah yeah we've talked about many many games that uh that are not just about fun uh, in our time for sure and we've talked about those here on so many games as well so i think people in the audience know i just wanted to make sure that nobody walked away from this conversation thinking that i was just like that dude who just wants to like you know roll credits and feel like a boss because that's that's not really no, no, what, no. who i am so well, and I'll, I'll also kind of back you up there i mean and basically with observer the 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 kind of quick summary is that there's both of those things in that in this game, right? There's the regular walk through hallways and things are kind of normal, and then there's things that are you know sections of the game that are not normal. And I think it goes on kind of long, the you know the sections that are not normal, and maybe that's what throws you off for I other agree. people. It's right? funny you say that because I said that I almost said that exact same thing where I said if if the sections had been shorter, I would have been okay. But yep. the sections that I got to, it felt like it went on for like a really fucking long time, and it just really, I didn't no. want any more of that. So, okay, yeah, that's not a spoiler, but I totally agree with you. Okay, yeah, that, that mirrors almost exactly what I said last episode. So, I'm glad that we kind of agree on that. Um, but Yay. let's not talk about Observer anymore. Yes, we did agree. Yay! <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore because I am very anxious for Corey to talk uh, to talk about this once he gets his hands on it. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say. Uh, but we've got one more thing uh, on your docket, uh, Mr. Rodella. Now, Corey and I, neither one of us has played Uncharted Lost Legacy, but this is the standalone. Is it even DLC? It's just kind of a standalone, isn't it? It's just kind of a, yeah, just a separate thing starring Chloe Frazier and one other. Who's the other lady in that game? I always forget her name, and that's bad because she's the main one of the main characters. Well, I haven't. I could I use the not, internet. Uh, if you want to, sure. I mean, I'm, and I have not uh, spent a lot of time with Uncharted, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the character. I just literally don't know what her name is. Uh, but this is the one where Chloe and uh, Lady X go off on some adventure, um, uh, and they, they, you know, more Uncharted-style hijinks, but this is, it's got a very different focus. Nathan Drake is not the character. Uh, Corey and I are both very interested to check this out, but we haven't got around to it. Carlos, have you finished lost legacy are you halfway like where are you and tell us a little bit about your thoughts i will uh it's nadine nadine ross and she's uh she used to be a mercenary or something like that and so is she from uncharted 4 i don't know that answer yeah she is okay she is. okay thank you Corey. I, i've not played uncharted 4 so i didn't know who she was exactly oh is but, she okay. oh that's right okay because i did play uncharted 4 and now i remember her yeah um yeah, I have. Uh, it's interesting because normally I'm the on the old video game break podcast. I was like Mr. Positive, and Brad was, you know, he's positive sometimes too. But there's definitely a pros con kind of thing going on. And, but I have a, a bunch of cons this episode. I feel like wow, Carlos. Because... I got to ask you, Carlos. Did you 
Did you cherry pick a bunch of games that you don't like because you knew you'd be talking on this show Ike. tonight? Yes, I think I did. I think I did. Oh, no, man, um, that's amazing. Thank you so much because you know how we roll. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, by the way, just to summarize, I like No Man's Sky. Uh, I like a lot of Observer. So that's it's not 100% bad. But here's my we, thoughts. We know you hate it. It's um, fine. It's fine. Short Go version ahead. is, with no spoiler, um, I'll say the pros first. The pros is it's just like Uncharted 4 and the fact that it's beautiful, right? It's an incredible-looking game. Uh, the vistas, where you are in India, it's just awesome. I mean, it's really cool to see a game um, and basically be able to go, in quotes, go to different places you might not be able to go in real life. Um, I love that about just the Uncharted series or any game that's like an adventure game in a different country. Um, so that's pretty cool. But I do have problems with it because... Have you played Uncharted 4? Both of you guys played it? Yes. Okay. So Uncharted 4 goes on, I think, too long. It goes on like a third too long. I, I just feel like it's a little long. I love the ending, the epilogue or whatever it is, but I think it's too long. And so coming from that, which I don't think is too far long ago, but it, it, this is definitely that same kind of rinse and repeat gameplay where puzzle, jump and climb on things until they fall down, and then shoot a bunch of dudes. Um, so that started bothering me this time because, I don't know, because maybe I played it for so long in Uncharted 4. But that rinse-repeat kind of gameplay, I definitely wasn't having after a while. Um, but it was beautiful, and I really cared about the characters, and I liked hearing their story. So I am going to finish it, actually, because I really do want to find out what happens to these characters. And they're, just like Uncharted, well-written, well-voice-acted, and all that kind of stuff, right? So that part's great. I just think that sometimes the gameplay can take me out of a livable, breathable world. And the the very beginning, you know, you're like expedition people, right? Let's just say you're spelunky people looking for the <laughs> treasures. And all of a sudden, you find your first bad guy, and you murder them. <laughs> you you have to you just murder a bunch of people. It, it, no. You know what I mean? Like, it just takes a... me out of... yeah. It just takes me out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, no, why did we... By the way, in the very beginning, this is not spoiler either, but, you know, you punch somebody. Okay, let's just do that for the whole game. Or, like, you know, get away or something. But you end up having to mow down hundreds of people like any other Uncharted game. And I just think it's really unrealistic. Because if you have so much realism in the characters and their story, and then I'm literally standing over top of, like, four dead people, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that problem has piece. plagued Uncharted. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, many people have brought that up. I, I have that problem with Uncharted myself, where Nathan Drake is always like, oh, I'm just a happy-go-lucky treasure hunter. I just want to get the money and get out of here. I want to have a good time. And, you know, he seems like some guy you want to hang out with, but he's also killed, like, 48,000 people. I mean, he's, like, the world's <laughs> yeah. worst serial killer, and they still try to play him off like Joe Normal, like nothing's wrong. I think that's a pretty big disconnect. I mean, Corey, you've played some of the Uncharted. Do you, does that bother you at all, that he... Literally, like, stands on piles of corpses, usually brown people most often. Uh, I mean, does Ugh. that bother you? Don't get me started on that. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, like, the worst thing about the Uncharted series. Like, I I mean, I, I've never been, like, a huge, huge, huge fan of Uncharted. Like, I've, I've played 2, 3, and 4, and some of the first one. And, I mean, like, the second one, of course, is, I feel like, is widely considered the best one. And... But I just feel like that the scope of the way that people view, like, violence in video games has changed since the first Uncharted has come out. 
and the gameplay in the Uncharted games has not changed. Like, the gameplay is still very much stuck in, like, you mm-hmm. know, whenever Uncharted 1 came out, like, a decade ago or whatnot. And, I mean, it would be the easiest thing in the world. I mean, maybe not the easiest thing in the world. I feel like like Naughty Dog has the power to at least be like, oh, let's give the characters a stun gun, or let's give them, like, tranquilizer darts. I mean, like, Deus Ex has that. Dishonored has that. I mean, that's a thing that I really value in video games, as stupid as it sounds, like, and like Deus Ex, when you have like ten guns, or you can have like your two tranquilizer guns, and you can just like knock people out or tranquilize them. Like, I don't really get why they can't, or why they choose not to do that in the Uncharted games. Because I know, you know, tranquilizing someone or killing them, like, okay, it's a video game. Like, what's the difference? But it's like at the end of the day, you can be like, okay, well, I didn't just murder, you know, seven thousand yeah. brown people in this game. I just knocked them out. And it sounds silly, but like. That's the kind of thing that I really value in a game, and it just really annoys me that the Uncharted games, like, they're so, like, well-reviewed and so highly regarded in the industry, and all they are are just, like, climbing murder fests for the whole game. And the thing that kills me, like, on top of all of this discussion, is the fact that all the Uncharted games are rated T for teen and not Mm. mature, and you murder people so much in that game, and they're all rated T. I do not understand how that game gets by with the T rating. Yeah, and it's not like they're aliens, you know what I mean? Like, I brought that up the other day. It's like, and not like that that's better, because, you know, to get down that rabbit hole, I don't know what <laughs> someone's like from Venus. Maybe they're totally respectable people. Um, but when you make it a kind of a monstery type thing, it seems to be a little bit easier. But, yeah, this is like you just went to India somewhere, and there's a bunch of guards, and they're just they're doing their job, but now you're going to mow them down. And by the way, you can, like, punch people in this game and punch and kick them, but they make that super hard, right? They don't make it easy. They don't make you a good, like, taker-outer of people. You all of a sudden see someone shooting, like, a crazy machine gun out of a tank, and you've got no choice but to find, like, a huge explosive or something to just wipe out, you know, 20 people. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. You know, I, I, whenever I think of Uncharted, I know um, they're very popular. You know, Nathan Drake is a really popular character, and the series has sold a billion copies. Really, you know, they've won tons of awards, et cetera, et cetera. I've actually never liked them. I always think they're kind of like lowest common denominator gaming, where it's like, you know, very simple mechanics, um, mostly killing. And, you know, the story's great, very cinematic, but it doesn't really mesh with the rest of what you're doing. It kind of makes me think of Tomb Raider, especially the new Tomb Raider reboot, where... If you guys will remember when they were rebooting that, uh, and this is the most recent one I'm talking about. I know there's been a couple reboots. Uh, but this is the one where, where uh, Laura was uh, shipwrecked on the island before she became, you know, the badass Laura Croft that we all know and love. And a lot was really made of her, you know, quote unquote, going on that emotional journey of like going from an innocent girl who's looking for artifacts to, you know, battle hardened Laura Croft who jumps chasms and, you know, kills things like we know. I mean, that that was kind of a joke because it took about five minutes for her to kill one guy. And then the next thing you know, she's killing like 10,000 guys in the rest of that game. I think it would have been really interesting, you know, if they had only had maybe 12 guys in that game. And each time you killed somebody, it was like a big fucking deal. Same with Uncharted. Like, how cool would it be and how interesting would it be, especially on these later games where they really play up the drama in Uncharted 4, as I've heard, and also what I assume to be in Lost Legacy. I mean, what would it be like if you really spent a lot of time on the characters and then, you know, you only kill maybe like five guys the whole game. And when you do, it's like, oh, gosh, you know, we killed that guy. Oh, my God. Like, 
or you know, like a life and death, like make it mean something. Instead, it's like this really hokey shooting gallery of these bullet sponge dudes that pop out of nowhere reduces it down to nothing. Like it just it doesn't mean anything. And I think I find it really kind of troublesome and obviously boring that that becomes kind of the de facto gameplay for most games. I feel like with Uncharted and Naughty Dog pushing the envelope in some ways, I feel like they they have really failed to push the envelope in in this regard. Hey, you know what? You bring up a great, a great point with Tomb Raider because, yeah, early on in the game, she's like, what? I've got to kill somebody? You know, and it's like a cut scene and you're like, oh, man. And it's a pretty graphic death or something. But then, yeah, right after that, she's like, oh, yeah, I kill people. That's what I do. But they <laughs> yeah. could do that in this game perfectly because these are two, you know, basically explorer type women. One's an ex-military, so we we got that. But maybe the, the, the main character, she isn't about that kind of stuff and the first time she does it it's crazy and then the second or third time she does it well whatever but it, it's only like a total of seven or eight times she does it here's a fun fact and you're gonna like this brad um because of that idea i decided to play the last mission where i wouldn't kill anybody and so i was like hey listen you're the ex-military person i didn't say this but in my head i did uh <laughs> hey hey lady you go and uh nadine is that what her name was you go and yeah, take out there. those bad guys, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna run. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna run away. I'm gonna go to wherever in this game mechanic. She's like, go over here, and I'm like, okay, and I just rolled and dodged my way out of that fucking thing, and I didn't uh, fight anybody. So was Zadine so, controlled by the that's AI that whole like time? The storytelling. I did, like, storytelling within the game where I basically said, like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't kill people. But you can kill people if you want. And she did. <laughs> and she's, she's controlled by the AI. And she's controlled by the AI. So she was taking people out all over the place. And I'm like, one time I was hanging on the ledge. And there's, like, a guy right above me. And I'm like, I'm just staying right here. And she's like, okay, I got him. Interesting. And then we just moved on. Interesting. So if you... Yeah. If you want to do that throughout the whole game, like if you want to play Chloe as a person who's a non-combatant, can you get through the whole game by letting AI Nadine I, kill everybody? I'll come back on the show and let you know I'm going to try it <laughs> starting like tomorrow. I really am. That's why I did it the last one to let you guys know. But you can do it. I did it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I may give that a shot when I get to it. Uh, I'm, we're going to talk about this uh, on the show later once we get to it. But that is a very interesting uh, angle. I would be curious to hear more about that. Um, any final thoughts before we move on? Uh, Carlos, we talked about No Man's Sky, Near Automata, Observer, Lost Legacy. Anything you want to wrap up before we uh, go to the next segment? Uh, no, but I mean, I, I'm playing a ton of other games, but those are all we have time for today. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of good stuff. And I, I will say there's a ton of stuff, uh, indie stuff that I'm playing. And maybe next time I'm on the show, I can tell you about those things. Yes. Well, it really depends on how you do tonight. Back on the show again. I know that's awfully presumptuous. Sorry. I mean, (laughs) if you'll have me back sometime, I would love to talk about things. Someone thinks highly of him. And by the way, thanks for having me be the first guest. That's uh, I feel honored and and privileged. It was appropriate, seeing as the three of us have podcasted before. Plus, we like you, sorta, sorta. Jeez. All right, let's move on. Let's move on before we need to do a group hug or something like that. That's it's getting a little too emotional in here for me. Um, thank you very much for bringing that selection of games, Carlos. I think we had some good chat. Corey, it is now falls to you, sir. You have been playing a game that I have I bought a million years ago, 
uh, and it's DLC, which I also bought a million years ago, and I haven't touched this game. I haven't played one minute of this game. Uh, but you have played The Evil Within, and you're going to be discussing this and the DLC. Is this your first time uh, playing this? And also, would you please tell us what it's about? Uh, first of all, never play this game, Brad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you want to keep your quality of life where it is now, instead of dipping lower, uh, just go ahead and never play this game. Um I played, so this is, okay, so some background on The Evil Within. Um, this is developed by Tango Gameworks or something, uh, published by Bethesda. This is actually, um, Tango is Shinji Mikami, who very famously directed, like, a bunch of old Resident Evil games, and he was sort of who everybody uh uh, praised for sort of redefining Resident Evil. Whenever Resident Evil 4 came out, he directed Resident Evil 4. Um, this is his his game studio that basically, I feel like he basically put the studio together to like, the, you know, word on the street was he was going to like revitalize like third person horror and video games. And this was supposed to be like his big like return to form for, you know, for like Resident Evil lovers. And it was supposed to bring all that back like over the shoulder camera, like zombie like characters and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so this game came out in 2014, I believe, right around Halloween, which is appropriate because, you know, Halloween horror. Um, I bought this hoping that it would be really great. Uh, I was riding the hype wave of, you know, uh, you know, loving, because obviously I love Resident Evil games. I love Resident Evil 4. I think that game is a masterpiece. Um, and so I bought into the hype, you know, this is going to be his return to form for, for horror. This is going to be, you know, Resident Evil 4, spiritual successor. And uh, I played all of it in 2014, uh, whenever I uh, whenever I originally bought it. And I did not play the DLC. I actually, the whole reason I'm returning to this game right now is because the DLC um, uh, season pass has been on sale. So I actually picked up the DLC. There's three DLC episodes, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, uh, and so I played, I decided, okay, well, what the heck? The game has a new game plus. So I'll just play through the campaign again now that I have like... Um, you know, better weapons in my inventory and stuff. Cause it's, it has a weapon system very similar to resident evil where you can upgrade your guns. You can upgrade the amount of ammo you can carry. You can upgrade like all the little, like your reload time, you know, your power, your accuracy and all that stuff with your guns. And it's been long enough since I played this to where I thought maybe just maybe I remember it being bad, but maybe it's not actually as bad as I remember it. And it turns out I was right. This game is awful. I hate this game. <laughs> um, this game, like, this is kind of the same thing with Nier. Like, I say this very, very uh, sparingly. It just so happens that we talked about two games on the show tonight that I can say the same thing about. If you love this game, I cannot trust your opinion on anything <laughs> that you say ever in your entire life. Um, this game is about a uh, police officer named Sebastian Castellanos. And his partner, Joseph, and his junior detective partner, Julie, they get called uh, to investigate a um, situation at a mental hospital in Crimson City. Uh, Crimson spelled with a K because that's how you know it's cool. Um, they go to the mental hospital. Whenever they get there, basically it looks like all hell broke loose. There's like dead doctors and dead patients everywhere. It sets itself up, you know, very classic i guess resident evil you get in you don't really know what happens you just kind of walk around and investigate 
um, before long, you're in, you end up getting pulled into this, like, world of um, this, like, psychopath dude named Ruben slash Ruvik. He goes by two different names in the game. Sort of, like, pulls you into his, like, brain game world thing. It's called STEM, and it's, like, this contraption that kind of hooks everybody up to this one collective consciousness. And you basically just go in and you, like, fight these, like, zombie-like creatures. You know, there's boss battles um, and, and all that, all that kind of stuff. Which, you know, so far it sounds good. But this game is is awful because it has no sense of... There's no sense of pacing. There's no sense of the game's rules. Like, the game sets up rules and then it constantly breaks them. Mm. And, um, but like... Like there's just this this entire game is a is a big challenge to my suspension of disbelief. Like uh, Sebastian has a melee attack, but the only melee attack he can do is like kind of like a haymaker punch. And even after leveling his punch power up like five times, which is the max amount of times you can level it up in the game, it still takes like. 10 hits to kill an enemy like a base like zombie enemy which is totally ludicrous um he has a sprint ability uh before you level up his sprint at all he can only sprint for about three seconds and i'm not kidding three seconds he is a police officer who can only sprint for three (laughs) seconds before he's totally out of shape yeah, and he he doesn't even look. I mean, I would I would forgive it if he were like some like big old fat dude in the game. Yeah, but he's yeah. like a very charming looking, you know, fit guy. Um, he has a knife that he can use to do like stealth kills on enemies. There's like a sneak mechanic where he kind of crouches and can sneak around. And if you get up behind an enemy whenever uh, he's sneaking, he can pull out his knife and basically he stabs the enemy through their skull uh, to kill them and a stealthy insta kill. Well, you can't use the knife outside of the stealth kills. Like, he can't use it for a regular melee attack, which is incredibly stupid. And it's also incredibly stupid because the, like, one of the main features of the base enemies of the game is the fact that they they tend to have, like, nails or railroad spikes or, or items like that already sticking out of their skulls. So what exactly is shoving a knife in the skull going to do that the character model's railroad tie through their skull isn't already doing? And the game does a big thing where, like, because you're kind of in this... Um, like abstract world the game keeps like tossing up its setting on you and like so one minute you'll be in the hospital and then all of a sudden like these like waves will come down the hallway and then you'll morph into being in like uh like an old-timey village and then you'll get to the end of that section and like the walls will morph and then you'll be in like another hospital then you'll be in a sewer then you'll be in a garage and you'll be in a hotel and like the game has no has absolutely no sense of pacing because it just keeps juggling you around from one sequence to another with no sort of like overarching um, example of where you are. Uh, and so I basically finished it and came away like not as impressed with it, but it was at least easier the second time around because I had all my new game plus. And I had read that the DLC is actually better because the DLC is supposed to like explain a bunch of stuff that happens in the course of the game. Because basically when you finish the game, like you have no fucking clue what happened. You play the whole game and it doesn't really answer any questions about like what 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 happened, what you did, what you just spent the last like fifteen hours of your life doing, because the game's pacing is so awful and all over the place that it doesn't really answer any questions. And it doesn't like do the 
like not answer questions in an intriguing way. It just doesn't answer them because the game's story is so awful that it just keeps like wrapping itself around and doesn't bother to try to like have any kind of payoff in any way. Um, but the the DLC is awful. Like the the, <laughs> no. the base game is like a third person over the shoulder horror shooter, very much like Resident Evil Four, very much like Dead Space. The DLC you play as the detective Kidman, who Julie Kidman, who's like not in the main game very much. She's like basically is only in the campaign so they can like say that they made a woman in the campaign and of fucking course she's wearing a white button-up shirt with a black bra she gets wet a bunch of times in the game so you can see her black bra through her shirt and of fucking course she's wearing fucking like six inch stiletto boots on her detective (laughs) assignment with the police department and it's so fucking annoying and in the dlc it, it does the thing where, like, she doesn't really have any weapons. It's mostly, like, a stealthy sneak-around DLC kind of thing. And, like, I could get on board with that for a little while because instead of it being really action-focused, it was a lot more story-focused at the beginning. And I was like, okay, this is going to answer some questions. It's going to let me explore. It's going to be a little more interesting. But it just turns into a bunch of scenarios where you have to sneak around areas as Julie and you basically get one hit killed by everything and it's Ugh. so annoying this game is filled with one hit kills i played between the two dlc packs that i played i think i played them for i think it took me about four and a half to five hours to finish them i died 28 times and 25 of those were one hit kills most of which the game does not telegraph in any way, shape, or form that it's going to be a one-hit kill. The enemy just finds you, they kill you, and then you have to start over again. And I, oh my god. And it's like one of those games where like stuff happens for plot reasons. It doesn't make any sense. Like in the regular game, every time Julie shows up, she like has a gun and she's shooting people with you and she's just kind of helping you fight. And the DLC, she only has guns in very plot specific moments. Like there's a section where she's trapped under rock and she finds a pistol next to her because of course there's just going to be a random pistol on the ground that's loaded with unlimited ammo in a sewer system and you like shoot enemies when you're trapped under the rock and then whenever you're done with the sequence of course the gun is out of ammo even though you had an unlimited ammo supply whenever you were under the rock and then later on she drops her flashlight and it breaks and she loses it but around the corner are these like lights like the the Halloween lights that you crack, the chemical lights that you can throw around the environment. But for some reason, she has an unlimited amount of them. Like, does she just keep pulling them out of her bra? Like, it doesn't make any (laughs) fucking sense at all. I'm so impressed that you even finished the first game. I hate this game so much. (laughs) I fucking hate this game. I think it is absolute garbage. I cannot believe, actually, I can believe that I spent so much time playing it. And this rarely happens with me, but it's one of those games where it's so bad that I have to finish it to know how much worse Mm. it's going to get. Because sometimes I just give up and I stop playing them and it's over with. But, um... I, I was so fr- like this is one of the most frustrating games I've ever played. It's one of the worst design games I've ever played. It's one of the worst written games I've ever played. It's just awful in every regard. And I oh my god, I hate this game so fucking much. And the promise of the DLC being better did not pan out at all because the DLC is so fucking terrible. Oh my goodness, I actually wow. played this game and it. It remind it's bringing back all these painful memories because <laughs> um, it is like yeah PTSD in a way it's like some sort of trauma where you but not even close to the same thing as the real thing but it's like it's a video game kind of trauma where you 
you know, it's it's that well back to what we said earlier. It's like bad balancing and stuff, you know, because they have an interesting idea. They have a bunch of creepy stuff that you and I, Corey, both want to get into, but they're just presenting it wrong. And those one kills can go right off, fuck right off, because <laughs> I hate that on games, and it really is bad here. And I, I'm again, I'm impressed that you finished it because. I got to a section. I was like, "No, I'm not going to die again. Uh, this is it. I'm over." Uh, but you somehow got through the DLC too. That's impressive. Yeah, I. What can I say? I'm so dedicated to full <laughs> reporting on this podcast yeah. that I just had to finish the DLC. Good job, buddy. <laughs> that it seems. It, that's the DLC sounds like it's it's crap then. Yeah, the DLC is awful. And speaking of, this is something I wanted to link back to earlier. Whenever we were talking about Observer and Layers of Fear, is like, okay, so like. The idea of, like, abstract environments in games, like, this is an idea that I'm very much behind, and the thing that I like about Layers of Fear and the thing that I liked about PT and what I suspect I will like about Observer is that, like, like in Layers of Fear, for example, the, the point of the game is to visit, like, your grandfather's old mansion that he was, like, a painter and he died, and you're going there to basically, like, reconnect with his possessions and try to figure out any secrets that he had, and... So at any point in the game, you know you're in the house. Like, yeah, maybe you walked down a hallway and turn around and the hallway looks a little different, but you know that you're in this self-contained house. You kind of know the stakes of the, the area you're in, which is enough to keep me really linked into the game and keep me intrigued because I, I'm not in his mansion in one second and then I'm not in a sewer system in the next scene and then I'm not in a fucking hospital in the next scene. And that's what really bugs me about the evil within is that it, it seems like shinji mikami sat down with his senior staff and he just like he, he looked at all of them and said hey everybody write down one environment and one scary scenario you want to make in this game and then they all stacked their index cards up after they wrote their examples on it and he just said cool i'm gonna throw these in the air <laughs> i'm gonna pick them up in random order and we're just gonna make that into a game and that's exactly what it feels like there's no ebb and flow yeah. there's no connection to what's going on and it's so abstract and so like try hard that i'm not grounded enough in the game's like stakes or experiences to really feel um like there's any payoff whereas and like layers of fear, I always know where I am at any given point, and I can appreciate like the the sort of the micro level abstraction that's going on within the macro level of the game. But in, in Evil Within, it's just like macro level abstraction all over the place, and yeah. it's so fucking horribly done. You know, I was going to bring up last time when we were talking about Twin Peaks is uh, Alan Wake, and how much I love that game. Um, mm, I don't like Alan Wake. You don't so like Alan Wake? No, I did like. I played the DLC for Alan Wake, and that's actually a good ending. I liked uh, the Alan Wake DLC, but I did not like the, the original game. Well, what the, the, I, I bring it up because it's like um, other games like The Vanishing of Ethan Carter or just like games where, yeah, you, I think you feel like the ebb and flow. You feel like the beginning, the middle, the end. You feel like you know where you're at. And maybe kind of going back to Brad's point originally of like sometimes being too confused. I, I get that because it does feel like they just threw everything in the kitchen sink at you in this game. Well, before yeah, we get down um, that whole rabbit hole, there's something I want to circle back to really quick. So, Corey, um, at first, like, the concept of what you described sounded really good, but as you went on and on, it sounded just really awful. <laughs> I'm very confused by this because, you know, Shinji Mikami is credited as basically creating survival horror, and he was instrumental or at least involved in creating so many of the seminal games in this genre. How – I mean, I know you don't know the, the hard answer to this, but what do you think happened? How did this game go so wrong? How could someone – that was credited with so much and has, you know, theoretically done so much right, gone so wrong here? Uh, I can only assume that 
he was potentially wrongly credited for doing so much right and maybe it was a lot of people underneath him that were doing good work and he just kind of took all the credit for it because oh. like Shinji Mikami had a really good track record for a long time and then he really and I mean the Evil Within reviewed pretty well I think it has like a 75 on Metacritic which is like an, a good to great score um so you know I might be in the minority here about how awful it is but like I mean, Mighty Number no. 9, he worked on that, and that was, like, a huge trash fire. And I, I just, I feel like maybe there's something else going on under the surface that maybe, like, people that he worked with were actually doing better, you know, at the at the stuff. Or, like, you know, in the case of Resident Evil 4, I mean, Resident Evil 4's gameplay is perfect. I love that game. And the story is silly. Like, it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's a very, like, silly B-movie, like, campy story. But the evil within is not, there's nothing campy about it. Like, they want you to take that game seriously, which makes it even harder to take seriously. It's just so horribly written. And, I mean, if it tried to be, like, silly or, like, kind of, like, wink, wink at you, I would have let it slide a little bit more. But it's just, it, it plays it straight the whole game, and it's so terrible for it. Um, wow. I, wow. I have one thing to say on that. Um, yeah, go for it, man. I think because it was very interesting how I got to, I jumped over to the game development world and got to see a bunch of games kind of being made um, at Microsoft and a Big Fish. And I think a lot of it is just like, yeah, you have a director, you have producers, and then you have a ton of other people. And other people make great moments in games, and then they fuck up, you know? And all of a sudden you're like, you're the creative director in a game, and you're like, um, this gameplay is kind of shit. Um, I thought we had in that meeting where there wasn't going to be any one kills, you know, and or the one kill was going to be a different way or whatever. And so it comes down to execution, you know. I, I can't believe that – I've said this before. I can't believe any movies ever get made because I've been part of a little bit of some of that, commercials and production stuff. And it's a miracle that even like – I was in one commercial, and I was like, how did we even pull that off? Um, so I think getting to watch some of those games being made, I think a lot of it's that, you know, because – a lot of games journalism, I think, totes around, like, you know, famous people's names, Ken Levine, et cetera, and go, like, well, that person's – he does incredible stuff. And I think, Corey, you just said it. Like, he doesn't do a bunch of stuff. He does some of it. Um, but then there's a ton of other people who are making – trying to make it work, and sometimes you just can't. Yeah, and that goes very, like, underreported in the industry, too, because, like, the gaming industry is very um, – I mean, it's pretty well known that, like, it's very difficult to get just, like, the average, like, junior level or senior level game developer, like, to get them to do an interview or they're on record. And because, you know, they're so busy working and the, the game industry parades, like, its directors and its producers and its creative directors around as, like, the talking heads for the games. And, I mean, yeah, you have, like, the one person who's a director for the game, but you have, like, 200 people underneath you actually, like, doing the legwork on the mm. game. And, yeah, there's... Uh, so, so, I mean, it's, like, you know, it's a good and a bad thing. Like, if a game comes out well, then, of course, the director looks amazing and doesn't really... I feel like the development team doesn't really give get a lot of credit, but if the game comes out horrible, then the director looks like an asshole and the developers just kind of get to, like, squeak by because their, you know, their names are on the project, but their names weren't paraded around mm. in the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. I think we may be finally uh, cracking the seedy underbelly of game development, you know? <laughs> yes. 
getting inside that star chamber and seeing what really goes on uh, behind the big names of the games industry. Shinji Mikami, I don't know. He may be a hack. Who knows? <laughs> I didn't maybe say that. Been... I don't think that's what we said. Well, All maybe right. he might be a hack. You never know. It's, it's, okay. it's something that makes you really think about things, you know? You get it this name, go, he's got hmm. all this credit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it kind of does. It does make you go, hmm, yes. Just like just like Freedom Williams back in the CNC Music Factory. Just That's what like I was that. trying to get at. Yeah, thank you. Thank makes you, you go, hmm, yes, I got you. I'm old enough to remember that, yes. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> all right, let's move on. That sounds like a complete shit show. Um, I, after hearing that discussion, I think I may take the evil within from my backlog and maybe just put it in the deep freeze and maybe I will just never... Never get to that game. I know that Steve Haskey, uh, who is maybe... Do you know Steve, Carlos? Do of course, Steve we're Haskey? actually working together on something I'll talk to you about at the end of the show. Okay, so okay, so you know Steve and Corey. I know you know Steve. Steve Haskey mm-hmm. loves this game, as far as I know. I know he loves this. So I'm a little bit concerned that Steve loves this, uh, because at this point I think I probably trust you, Corey, more than Steve. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll discuss that with Steve on another day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip this. I'm going to skip this. Well, yeah, I mean, Steve sometimes has bad taste in video games, oh, and I dang. never have bad taste in video games. <laughs> so you should probably, instead of putting this game in the deep freeze, you should probably just light this game on fire out in the street and just let it burn and never look <laughs> at it again. <laughs> all right, all right. I think uh, I've got some options. Uh, but among my <laughs> options, playing it is not going to be one of those options. So let's move on. Uh, I've got, uh, it's been a weird week for me. Um, I've been between games. I don't have anything that I need to review right now. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll take this time to, I don't know, look at my backlog, look at what's going on. What are people playing right now? What's, what's, what's the word? Um, so I didn't really get sunk into anything and I thought, well, I've got time. This is great. Uh, let me, let me try to play some of these games that I picked up on PSN sale. You know, uh, Corey and I often talk about PSN sales here on the show. We hit those pretty often and those sales occur pretty often. So if you got a couple bucks, it's probably likely you've also picked up something on PSN sale. I've picked up a bunch of stuff over the last couple months, but I've been so tied up with reviews. I haven't had time, but I finally had time. And I got to say, I went through like three games, actually more than that. I'm only going to talk about three though. I went through about five games in a row and I thought they were all, like, not good. So I was really hoping to find, like, a hidden gem, diamond in the rough, something I could bring to the listeners of So Video Games and just, uh, you know, spread some love. But that is not going to be happening this episode. Oh, this is man. Just, this, this is just, just a all, bad, This is a hot garbage is, episode. This is, that is literally the hot garbage episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first one I want to talk about is called butcher um have either one of you guys seen this do you know about it did you pick it up on psn sale yeah i've seen it it's like a uh, shooter bullet hell again no it's it's like if you if you took like doom the original old school doom or maybe quake and turned it into like a 2d platformer that's basically what this game is Corey, have you did you pick this up did you play this you know about it uh i've seen it on PSN sale, but I have not picked it up because I'm pretty sure I watched like five seconds of the trailer for it, and I was like, "Nope, I already know this is not going to be for me." So oh, I see, to... you were so smart. I I should have had some <laughs> of that wisdom. I watched the trailer too, and I'm like, "Doesn't look like my thing," but it was only a couple bucks. And I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm a gambling man sometimes, and you know, supporting indies, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And you never know. Like sometimes maybe it will click. You, like you just never know. Like I'm I'm happy to take that chance. Um, so basically this game is, like I said, it's like Doom 2D side-scrolling. There's like almost no story. You're some kind of a 
I, I don't know, space bounty hunter or hunter. Or I don't know what you're doing. You're a butcher. No, I mean, he ain't clearly a butcher. <laughs> uh, yeah, you show up on the space station and your, your, your character is like literally like four pixels high. It's just like it's like three black pixels and like a red pixel. And like, that's all it is. Like, you can't even tell what you are. And you get into these levels, these really, really tiny, uh, very small. I had to get sit like extra close to my screen because the, the graphics were so small. And you just like start shooting shit. Like you eventually get a bunch of guns and, you know, you can pick up some stuff. I mean, basically all you're doing is just shooting 2D. And it's, it's one of those games where like it's got a lot of tune, right? So like it says, oh, the easiest, easiest difficulty level is hard, which is actually not true. There's actually an easy. I don't know why they say that. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you pick easy or something, it's like, oh, you're a pussy. And it's like, okay, okay. I just want to play your fucking game. I, <laughs> I just gave you $2. Don't insult me, please. Um, but it's, it's that kind of a game where, you know, they want you to be balls of the wall and tough. And it kind of looks like a 17 year old's trapper keeper from, you know, high school back in the nineties or something like that. Nobody gets that reference, but if you were me in high school back then, you probably know what I'm talking um, about. I had a trapper keeper. Did you have, like, were you drawing, like, skulls and chicks with big boobs and death and blood dripping down on your Trapper Keeper and stuff? Okay, so you lost me there, but I had okay. <laughs> uh, this funny, funny side story. I cut out uh, little pictures from my EGM magazine of turbographic screenshots, okay? At, this is the biggest nerd thing I've ever said. And I put them inside the Trapper Keeper, like the plasticky part, so it's just all turbographic screenshots in my Trapper Keeper. Oh, you were that guy. That was you. Oh, I'm that guy. You still that guy. I'm still that guy. <laughs> uh, so I started playing Butcher, and I mean, long story short, the graphics are tiny. It's really hard to see what's going on. Everything's really dark. It's got this music where it's just like some. It's like really like it made me feel sick. Like that screamo kind of dark. Like you imagine like it's like the, the thing that Trent Reznor felt like was too dark for his album, so he like. He didn't record it, you know, like it's, it's really like over the top and the AI in the, in the game is perfect, you know, as it is. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm like over 40, like I don't have the reflexes of a younger man and uh, the AI was picking me off left, right and center. Like I would take a couple steps forward. Some dude from across the room would spot me pixel perfect shot, like take me out. And you know, by the time I'm trying to get a beat on him, I'm already dead. And it just happened like over and over and over. And I'm like, nah. I was going to say the character looks so small. I would I would assume that you wouldn't like that the, like the game because you can't even I, see him. Yeah, I mean I don't know. It, it's I was just thinking I'll, I'll gamble a couple bucks. You know, you never know when you're yeah. going to find something. It's it's not something I, I felt like was going to be on my alley. But do you feel like it's I, as hard as like Salt, Salt and Sanctuary, something like that? Um, I have not played Salt and Sanctuary. I've heard some people compare this to being like um, Super Meat Boy, but a shooter. I would hmm. not say that because I feel like Super Meat Boy has better controls and better balance and better visibility. I think it's just hard. It just seems like this really somebody with like a really bad attitude made this game and thought they were cool for making it, and it just does not work for me like in any way. It just is not good. So uh, I recommend a pass. I don't think either one of you guys are in danger of buying this anytime soon, are you? No. Nope. Okay. Cool. Let's move on. Um. Boy, now that I think about it, I wonder if the second game that I'm going to talk about is under embargo. It might be. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, had a second game to complain about? I'm going to hold off because now that I think about it, I think I'm not okay to talk about it. <laughs> so we're going to we're gonna pass on that one. Sorry to be such a tease, guys. Did not mean to do that. Apologies, dear listeners. Let me talk about 
Dogos instead. D-O-G-O-S. Have either one of you guys heard or seen or bought this game? I am typing it into Google. I see a bunch so of the dogs. Answer is, the answer is no. Corey. Is this like, are you just going to talk about dogs for like half an hour? Because that would be fine. Doggos. <laughs> see, that would have been kind of cool if it was about doggos. I think I would have gotten more mileage out of it. But it unfortunately is not about doggos. And in fact, it's funny you say that because I almost made a joke about that on Twitter. And then I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. But I my thinking was where your thinking went. So we are in sync on that. No. Dogos is a shooter. It's like a top-down, not quite a bullet hell shooter, but kind of a bullet hell shooter. And the gimmick to this game is that not only can you fly, like, you know, from the bottom of the screen to the top, with a little tilt of the right stick, you can rotate the entire screen around. So you're kind of like flying in any direction you want to because you can fly straight ahead, and if you want to make a turn, you tilt the screen... And the whole thing just, like, rotates. So you've got, like, basically full 360-degree motion uh, wherever you want to go. So just imagine a bullet hell shooter where you can just go in any direction. That's basically what this game is. Um, it's been, it was put out by a team who did, like, an earlier version of this game called Project Root. You guys ever heard of that one? Mm-mm. Nope. Okay, so basically they're kind of iterating on their own formula. That's what that game was as well. This one is an improved version. I jumped into it. I mean, it's basically simple. If you know what a bullet hell shooter is, you get in a spaceship, you fly around, lots of bullets, you shoot guys. I mean, it's real simple stuff. But I got to say, actually turning the screen as freely as they let you turn it was pretty cool. I thought it was nice. Um, difficulty was a little bit off because I don't think they quite are figuring out that by turning the screen as much as you can, it makes it really fucking hard to hit things because you're just moving all the way around and they're moving all the way around. And to try to shoot something with a tiny little bullet with all that motion going is really, really tough. So oh, wait, Brad, wait, think, hold on. Let me let me understand. Yeah, this. Yeah. So are you on a yeah, track yeah. still, or you you are it's more like an open world where you can go wherever? It's almost like an open world. I mean, the levels are designed tracks, so there's like a start, and then you kind of go on this path and finish. But as you're on that track, you can double back, you can go forward, you can go oh. backwards. So it's not open, open world, and there's definitely a path you need to go on, but you, you have free movement on that path as opposed to, you know, traditional bullet hell shooters where you're just simply, like, moving forward the whole time or whatever. You're, you're just – anywhere you want to go on this path is where you can go. Yeah, because I hate so really, shooters when you can't go all the way to the left and you're, like, stuck on the corner somewhere and you just get taken out. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, you can go anywhere you want to. I mean, sometimes there's obstacles. You know, there may be canyons or maybe there's a boulder or, you know, whatever. There's There's stuff in the environment. It's not just an open space. But you've got, like, really free movement, and you can, you're can you very nimble as a ship, which is really cool. Um, so I was pretty into it until about 15 minutes or so after I started. Can you guys guess what happened? Do you want to just take a guess? It got really hard? No, no, no. What usually happens oh. when you're playing a game and the screen keeps spinning and spinning and spinning? You got sick. I got so fucking sick playing this game. <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted to puke so bad after, like, 15 minutes. I was like, That's oh. That was, that was going to be one of my first questions is, like, did it make you uneasy feeling by having to go anywhere you want? Oh, my God. It made me, like, physically ill. I, I, I didn't notice it at first. And then I got that kind of, like, clammy, cold sweat that you get when, ah. like, like, you're about to puke, you know? Like, your body's getting ready to puke. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, shut this off. I got <laughs> Get out. Get out. I'm not going to puke over this fucking game. So yeah. I had to turn it off, which is a shame because I liked what it was doing. I don't know if they can 
fix that if there's some kind of setting or something i don't know what but it made me so fucking ill and i don't usually get motion sick with games like shooters don't make me sick and any kind of driving games nothing like nothing really makes me sick it's very rare that happens weird but this oh god it made me so sick oh god just thinking about it now kind of makes my <laughs> tummy feel a little a little know. sketchy a little sketchy you said, stop talking like, about it clammy and i got oh feeling like i was sick almost oh god you know that it. feeling though you know that yeah. feeling where it's like that, that those little beads of sweat oh, and it's just I hate you it. know brad stop yeah, stop I it <laughs> would you say I, that dogos is a no-go dogos oh. is a no-go so that Where's is the rim <laughs> shot that's great that's good that's a good one that is a good that's that not good do no, not that compliment is good. me for that I that is classic Corey motley i love that that is good stuff uh, I, okay, so I'm not going to talk about that other game I was going to talk about, but I will talk about one more game, and this one is actually going to be a positive. Yes, we actually do Yay. play games. I know, because we like them. We, we do actually like games on the So Video Games podcast. Uh, we talked about it last episode. Corey Motley, sir, you brought up Resident Evil Revelations 2, specifically the raid mode, which is... Uh, oh, you want to recap it real quick, Corey? You want to tell people what the raid mode is? Yeah, okay. It's basically like... Uh, so anybody that's familiar, Resident Evil usually has a mode called Mercenaries Mode that started with Resident Evil 4, and it's basically like an arcade-like mode where you're in uh, a very predetermined, kind of closed-off area, and you have to kill, like, a bunch of enemies until you die or the time runs out. Well, Raid Mode is pretty much the same thing, except there's no, for most, for the most part, there's no time limit. It just, you, you have a roster of characters, you unlock characters over the course of the, uh, of, as you play, I guess. Um, characters have different skills. They have different weapon slots. You can level the characters up. You can get better weapons. You can do weapon parts. It has a lot more customizability than Mercenaries mode. <clears throat> and it, it's basically just like an arcade mode where it drops you in. Uh, most of the levels have the objective of, like, kill all the enemies. And then there's, like, a little coin that pops up at the end. When you're done, you shatter the coin. And then you finish a level and you get your XP. Um, did I leave anything out? There's co-op. Uh that's it. Yeah, I that think it? that's pretty straightforward. Um, I, you know, you described it last episode, and I was—I had never tried it, even though I had played Resident Evil Revelations too. I had never dipped into that mode because I thought it was just like some kind of online versus or something. I just—I never bothered with it. Um, but after you, you mentioned it, I was like, oh, you know, that does kind of sound like something I would like to try. So I fired it up on my own just to kind of poke around and see. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I had a couple of the download characters. I bought them. I, I don't know how much they were, but I was like, oh, Hunk from Resident Evil 2 was there. He's always been a favorite. And they had Wesker was available. I'm like, how can you not have Wesker? I mean, you got to have Wesker. So I picked him up too, <laughs> tried him out. And But yeah, it's basically like you pick a character, you go into these little very short contained scenarios, like no story or anything. It's just like a bunch of zombies appear, shoot the zombies in different environments. Uh, you, you find random guns, you level up. You unlock skills, then you do it all again. Pretty straightforward, but I think that seeing these characters that I, I have a fondness for, some of them, some of them are just like really random, but uh, some of them I really enjoy. And just the feeling of um, the combat, which I think is pretty good in this game. Not the best, but pretty good. And just, I mean, just leveling it up feels kind of good in general, like as a principle. So like applying that to Resident Evil where you can play a level and be done in like three minutes or five minutes and then do it again if you got another five minutes. Or you can just walk away. I mean, definitely bite-sized chunks. I mean, altogether, it was really good. Um, I kind of would like more skins. I'm, I'm definitely like a, a skin guy where I like to collect different 
outfits for characters. There's not a lot in, in terms of customization that way, but it's okay. Uh, but I had a pretty good time with it. I mean, I think that recommendation uh, was pretty right on. I've, I've enjoyed it. I haven't put a lot of time into it, but I have played it more than a couple times. And then today, we tried the co-op. So Corey and I got together online, and also my son joined us as well. So we were uh, call, just like round robining in and yeah. taking turns, and it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. I really uh, think it's it's pretty good in two player mode, and I really commend the developers for including the feature to alter your level because Corey, you've played this game a lot more than I have, yeah. correct? Yeah, that is an accurate statement. Yeah, you've played like you've played a lot more than I have. So I'm definitely a greenhorn newbie compared to you. And I was concerned that when we were going to play together that you were just going to kill everything in one shot and I would be, <laughs> you know, running around behind you picking up the gold coins and just kind of like not really doing anything. But uh Capcom thought of this problem, which was very clever of them, and when you play with somebody else, whoever is the highest person can scale their level down to match the lower level person. So that you guys are on equal footing and then you can both, you know, feel like you're contributing and equally participating in the action. Uh, it's pretty good. The, the earlier levels are pretty easy, but that was fine. I don't mind starting off with on a gentle slope and killing zombies is just in general a good thing. And by the time <laughs> that we finished, it was getting, um, you know, not hard, but I mean, it was definitely um, harder. I mean, more big enemies were showing up. Uh, situations were getting a little bit more hectic. So... It's fun. I think it's really fun. I mean, it's not something that I would play for like eight hours at a time, but, you know, if I've got like half an hour here or an hour there and I don't have anything else going on, I would totally jump back into that and just kind of grind. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, so I know, Corey, I know you're a fan. I mean, you've got like 85,000 hours logged into that, but <laughs> Carlos, have you ever played uh, raid mode in Resident Evil Revelations 2? No, I didn't even do Revelations. Um I think I really enjoyed that uh, the seven stuff, like you know the brand new take on Resident Evil. Um, it's already seven is the new one, right? With the first person. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just I I liked that a lot, and it was like kind of hard to go back, you know, to the old school style. Um, and I don't know I'm just kind of not really feeling that style of game right now, um, especially as you know, uh, Brad. I'm not really the shooty shoot kind of guy, and even though this is monsters and zombies or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just not feeling it right now, so I haven't really messed with it. No worries, no worries. I mean, it's it's. I probably would have never tried it if Corey hadn't recommended it to me, and I think it really clicked right now because, like I said earlier, I like I'm kind of between games. I'm I'm okay with like a little something to fill my time, so it's really filling a niche that I've got right now. I'm not sure that I would have clicked with it if it had come at a different time of the year, or maybe if I'd been in a different frame of mind. So, well, yeah, um, like kind of fortuitous, saying. yeah. It's just like where you're at, you know what I mean? That's a perfect example of it. You know, you're feeling it right now. And I do think that that sounds really cool, though, how they leveled you, you know, because so many games do that. Like, I think always think of MMOs where you're like, oh, fine, come along with me. I'm level one million, and I guess I'll bring <laughs> you to my thing I already did like 20 times. But um, that sounds like a really cool feature that they kind of level you d uh, down or up or whatever. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty good. I, I appreciated that for sure. Um, so... Corey, I know that you've done a lot in that game. I mean, I guess my question to you is, are you going to keep chipping away at this? And if so, like, are you working towards anything? Or are you just playing it just for the sheer just fun of it? 
Well, uh, funny you should ask that because whenever we played earlier, um, it had come, and I mentioned this while we were chatting while we were playing earlier, that I have like a level 100 uh, berry. My berry burton is level 100. And once you get to level 100, you stop leveling up. But whenever you fill your XP meter after a match, you still get 10 skill points, which you can put into, you know, your different skills you have and stuff. And whenever you pick up guns in the game, the guns can come anywhere between level 1 and 100, and you don't level the guns up. You just have to keep finding new and better ones. And the the farther you get and the difficulty of the stages and the tiers of raid mode, the higher level guns you'll find in the environment as you play. And it had occurred to me <clears throat> that... um I'd been level 100 for a really long time, and I had been rocking, like, level 95 guns. Like, I never had a gun higher than level 95, and I knew that there were, like, level... There's supposed to be, like, level 100 guns that are, like, rare, that have, like, some special abilities or special, like, paint jobs or something. And so I... Whenever we finished playing earlier, Brad, I went into... Because uh, they have three tiers, I think, of... Three or four tiers of of uh, difficulty and each tier has like 20 uh stages and each stage has like i had like five levels in it or something it's a really confusing way to describe it but that's the best way i can do right now um and i went into the most difficult one which is called code red um and i was uh because the code red levels like they start with the uh the, the level that they recommend you be at to play any of them at the beginning is level 90 and i haven't played very many code red levels and so i was like well cool i'll jump into these some some of these level 90 levels and see like if i can get some cool guns or if i can get like a cool level 100 gun or something and i played through a few level um code red stages and i was level 100 and the recommended level was level 90 and those stages are fucking hard. Like, I was having a really hard time with them as, like, 10 levels above what the recommended level was with, like, na level 95 guns. And, um, you know, I kept beating them, but I would use herbs so I wouldn't get, like, the herb medallion because uh, they have different stipulations on how many medallions you can get whenever you finish a level. And if you use an herb, you miss the herb medallion. And I was playing above the level, so I was missing, like, the the equal level or under medallion. And, like, I was still having a really hard time. So it's kind of fun because it gives me an excuse to play to work toward trying to get those level 100 uh, guns because I actually ended up getting a level 99, um, like, AK-47 machine gun that has, like, a steady shot um, built in so it has less recoil. So that was kind of exciting. And it's, like, gold. The gun's, like, kind of gold-tinted. Um, so hopefully I can keep playing those and maybe get some more high-level weapons and sort of work on customizing better weapons. That's sort of like the thing I'm working toward now. Um, but uh, yeah, it just kind of amazed me because it's been so long since I had played like high-level levels that the fact that I was 10 levels over the recommended level and I was still like getting my ass handed to me just shows that this mode has a lot of like novice levels all the way up to like extremely difficult levels. And I, I guess I appreciate that even if it is like a tiny bit frustrating. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that gives uh, me something to look forward to. I mean, I don't think this is going to be like my main jam, but I can totally see myself like chipping away at this between like bigger games. So maybe this is something that I'll come back to. And then, you know, knowing that there's more, to work towards um, will be, you know, be like the carrot on the end of the stick uh, for me. Um, I think I'm going to get my wife into it, too. My wife is actually a much better shot than I am. So I think I may try to get a second copy from uh, Gamefly. Maybe we can all we can all like group up and take turns and just, I don't know, work together on it or something. So it, it kind of reminds me of like a destiny or something hearing you guys talk about it, you know, like getting light and getting better weapons. It would be 
cool if we could have like four people in a squad. I think two is as much as you can do, right, Corey? Yeah, I think it's only two, like PVE, unfortunately. But um, it, it is kind of like Destiny or an MMO in that regard, where like you keep getting new weapons, you keep like being able to customize the weapons the way you want, and like add like buffs to them and stuff. It's just not in like an open world. It's basically the whole thing is just like dungeon, 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 and that's it. Yeah, and for me also, I think I think the hook for me personally is that. Like, knowing that I could maybe, like, finish all the levels. Like, if I finished all the levels, I bet, like, I would never want to play it again after I had, like, done them all. So, like, just knowing <laughs> that there's, like, kind of an end point to it is is kind of, like, appealing to me. Knowing that I could, like, complete or finish something would be good. Whereas with Destiny, it's like you just keep going, 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 and, like... Oh, never ends. You know? Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. So, that is all I had this week. And, again, I apologize for thinking I had more, but I'm glad I didn't say anything because I probably would have gotten in trouble for that. So I'm going to call it good. Although I do want to give a really quick shout-out um, for people who are listening to the show. The Danganronpa 3 demo uh, went live really recently, like yesterday or today. It's available on Vita. It's also available on PS3. I'm really, really excited for that game. I love the first two games in that series. Um, kind of a visual novel, also kind of like, sort of like a Phoenix Wright style game where there's like some puzzles, really dark story most of the time. Uh, one of my favorite uh, visual novels of all time, and I've, I've I've played a fair amount. I haven't played a million of them, but I've I've played a fair amount. And Danganronpa for me is still at the top. So if that sounds like something you're into, that demo uh, is free for Danganronpa three. You can pick it up on Vita and also on PS4. Just a heads up. Um, hey, you guys we're have we're not played. Brad. On, the, yeah, on yeah. that topic, the Zero Time Dilemma, have both you guys played that series? Corey? I have not. I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. Okay, I, I have. I've played some, and I, I think it's fucking the most awful, poorly written garbage <laughs> I've ever played. <laughs> oh, there's my answer. All right. I just, I just saw it like on sale or something like that, and I hadn't played one of those types of games, and everybody kept talking about it. So, And you like visual novel stuff, so I thought maybe I'd ask. I would absolutely not recommend that game at all. I feel like the writing is so incredibly poor. It is it's shameful. Okay. It's really shameful. And see, this, this, so I'm actually going to jump on the Cory train here and say that people who tell me that's a really good visual novel, I don't trust anything they say because <laughs> the writing is so bad. It's like, how can you fucking think this is good writing? I mean, to be fair, the developers have made some choices recently. They've re-released those games to where they play a little bit better. They're smoother. I think they've given you some shortcuts that weren't there before. Which is great. I mean, I think making them more playable is fine. But bottom line, the writing is just fucking atrocious. It is atrocious. <laughs> it's so bad. I can't believe anybody holds it up as an example of good writing. I do not, under any circumstances, recommend those games. I think they're so bad. There's like a billion other ones I would recommend ahead of that one. In fact, oh, I, know. I, I feel like I need to pick a game now that like I have to say, like if you like this game, then you're no longer a friend of mine. Like, you, you should. You should. I Pick know. one. Pick one right now. Go for it. I'm trying to think of one. Um, Call of Duty? I don't know. I just want to make get some heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that rules out basically everybody in the world. I know. All people. No. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it is that time again. Hate to say it, but this brings us to the end of the show. Um, it's been a good talk, guys. What do you think? Has this been a good talk? Yeah. I mean, it's. I guess it's been like okay. I guess. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> I had to bring enough optimism for both of you guys, and I'm gonna finish the show and say it was a great talk. Jeez, Louise, oh, that's yeah, the Carlos we know this and love. Yeah, yeah. That oh wait, is the by Carlos the way, I should mention oh, that yeah. 
I have heard that one part when you guys talked to me on the podcast, and it was really funny to hear someone talk about you, you know, and realize some things. And uh, you're all like, yeah, he's got so much optimism. He just wants to do all the things, and, you know, he just likes everything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, do I? Okay, that's pretty cool. But in a but, good way, in a good way. Yeah, oh, no, it was, it was a glowing review. I felt, I, I mean, that made my week <laughs> just hearing that, so. Yeah, for those who don't know what he's talking about, we we gave a shout out to Carlos um, in one of our earlier episodes, and we were just we were just showering uh, the love on him in a non pornographic way. Jeez, oh, uh, you didn't have to take speak it for yourself, Brad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, you are one of our favorite guys, Carlos. Uh, we're very happy to have you on the show. Very proud to have you as our very very first guest. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. I think this has been a good talk. Um, I'm sure Corey feels the same way. Carlos, before we say goodbye to you, um, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the show, but as of right now, um, where can people find you online? Are you, you working on something you want to hype? Is there anything you want to plug right now? Yeah, just a, a couple of things. And um, it's funny because, yeah, that's one of the things you said on the podcast. You're like, I don't know what he's doing. He's got a new show, I think. Uh, I haven't seen it, but uh, I heard he's got something new going on. Um, I have problems. I started a million projects, but... Uh, I only have a couple of things to tell you about. One is I noticed that I love a lot of things, and I just kind of said that to myself. I like a lot of things. So I made a podcast called that. It's just uh, a lot of things. It's on iTunes. Um, it's also on Anchor, so anchor.fm slash a lot of things. I won't talk too much about Anchor, but I will say that it's an amazing app for iOS and Android, and it's like daily podcasts. All the podcasts are like under five minutes. And I highly suggest you guys check it out and maybe uh, maybe do a show of video games one over there. But it's really cool because there's a lot of great features where people can call in and become part of the show. Um, I know you guys do that already, I think. But um, it's just done all on your phone, and it's really cool. So uh, a lot of things podcasts on anchor.fm slash a lot of things and then on iTunes. But what I do is I just talk about all the things that I'm into because I uh, take in so much media. It's ridiculous. Uh, so I'll talk about music, movies, video games, books, whatever. Uh, they still make books, so you should check those out, people. They're pretty great. Um, <laughs> and then also we're doing that. We're turning that into a live show. So there are a lot of things. Live theater show will be here in Seattle. Uh, and uh, the, the pilot will probably be the end of September, early October. And then that will go online. Uh, and we're going to try to get some funding for that to keep doing that as a, a regular show. Wow, that's pretty impressive. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Definitely uh, keep us posted on that, and we'll help spread the word for you when the time comes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and I'm going to say one more thing real quick because it's another yeah, company yeah. I f- freelance with is uh, Facebook.com slash 8 Studios. Um, I'd love to, you know, Brad, have you on the, I don't know, we just come over and we'll talk on a podcast or if you guys ever have me back. But um, in the future, I'll talk about that. It's a really cool uh, video game platform that has to do with cryptocurrency. Uh, and it's a big discussion and it's a really cool company. And I got in early to help them out with some social media. Um, so I'd love to just tell people to go check that out. Uh, facebook.com slash eight circuit studios, the number eight. Um, and there's going to be some really cool stuff over there. I don't even have the faintest fucking idea what cryptocurrency is, but we're not going to talk about that now. That sounds like a very deep discussion. Okay. I'm going to go Google it after the show. We'll figure yeah. it out. Um, are you on Twitter? You want to, you got a Twitter or something you want us to, uh, to check out? O-N-A-W-A. Follow me on Twitter. Excellent. I mean, I keep meaning to ask you, where, what is that about? Where'd you get that? Because that, that doesn't spell Carlos. It, you're right. <laughs> I did. Oh, you know what? I just figured that out. 
Um, no, I'm a Native American and Mexican, and my Native American name that I picked for myself is Onawa because it means wide awake. Uh, it's an Algonquin Apache style name, uh, so it means wide awake. Oh, I never knew that. Now we know. Thank now you for sure. you know. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, Carlos, we have really loved to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, and now, as we wrap up the show, I would like to remind the dear listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed this as well. And you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. Uh, you can reach us, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a show, at SoVideoGames. And you can reach us, reach us individually. Corey, what is your Twitter handle, sir? My Twitter handle, believe it or not, is my first and last name, Corey Motley. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent. And as people who listen to the show know, my Twitter handle is my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's, no O's. Not, a single, not a single goddamn O in that name. Oh. I'm telling you. People keep putting them O's in there. It ain't no O's. And now that we've got that settled... That brings us to the end of another So Video Games. Thank you again to Carlos Rodella, and we will see you next week with our usual two-man show. In the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next time. Bye!